0: 10 municipalities got disclaimer audit opinions, despite hiring consultants to compile financials. They incurred on aggregate 105 million rand. That's really on average 10 million rand apiece for consultants to compile financials. And yet at the end of the audit period, we were unable to offer any audit uh, opinion on those financials. Essentially, we say that those financials are completely unreliable the ones that got adverse opinions those are the opinions where we indicate that we do not agree with the financials um five of them spent a total of 53 million rand that's another 10 million rand on average a piece for these municipalities to uh, to to uh, get financials prepared and just simply submitted to us the ones that get qualified financial statements um there's still a dominance of using consultants Um, although on average it's less than what is the case in the disclaimers. And then the ones that got the financially unqualified opinions still use consultants, but to a much less extent. We often ask our teams to interrogate the reasons why consultants are brought on board to do this work. And in most instances, in 68% of the instances, The problem was not that there were vacancies in the finance office, but rather that the people employed in that finance office did not have the skills required to do what what was needed to compile financial statements. Another reason why we, we look at the story about the use of consultants is because we're concerned about the impact of spending so much money. If you've got a billion rand being spent on using consultants to compile financials, uh, one would expect much better outcomes and yet we still don't get it. And when we ask the question of why that is, we find that in too many instances, it's about a lack of records or documentation to support what is then presented in financial statements. Essentially what this does is it confirms for us that a quick fix at the end of the year doesn't work. If the disciplines of maintaining records, uh, making sure that the payments that go out of the bank account are known and they're documented, if those disciplines are not in place for 12 months of the year, by the time we compile financials at the end of the year, it really becomes an extraordinarily difficult task. In fact, an impossible task to get to credible financial statements. The the slide that we skipped just now, sets out chairpersons and, and honourable members the municipalities that, th- that themselves indicated were facing financial health challenges. And in that slide, if you can just go back to it for me, uh, Penny, it shows that the there's there's a there's a there's a dominance of municipalities in provinces such as the Eastern Cape, the Free State, the Northern Cape, um, and to some extent KZN. How then Lumbopo and Pumalanga have less than the others. But I think it just gives the honourable members and chairpersons uh, some sense of where these auditees are that themselves indicate are facing significant financial health concerns. One of the areas that we focus on in this report is the disclaimer audit opinion. Those municipalities that are unable to demonstrate what they have spent money on. Because we cannot rely on the information that is prepared by these municipalities, we went to third party information. So we went to the Treasury's information and we checked the equitable share that was allocated to that municipality. We checked the conditional grant that was allocated. And that number for 22 municipalities came to six and a half billion rand. And then we went to the bank account and checked what was sitting in the bank account for. That is third party information as well. And we found that where six and a half billion rand had gone through these municipalities over the year, only a billion rand, just under a billion rand was sitting in the bank accounts at the end of the year. In between, nobody's reporting, nobody's accounting, um, and nobody really knows for sure what has happened to this money. And I'm hoping, honourable chairpersons and members, this gives you a sense of just how serious it is for an auditee to have a disclaimer audit opinion in terms of what it tells you about the the relative chaos in terms of financial management happening um, and in terms of um, the commitment to transparency and accountability and to safeguarding of resources. We then also looked at where these municipalities are So the next slide will show you where these municipalities that have got disclaimed audit opinions are where they are. Um, The first thing to note is that most of these municipalities are under administration, some for as many as four years already. And you also note that there are disclaimer audit opinions in most of the provinces, save for uh, Limpopo which commendably has done away with disclaimers this year through great effort over the course of the year. And there are no disclaimer audit opinions in Gauteng, which is also commendable. The free state on this map does not have any disclaimer audit opinions, um, but that's not because they did not have them. That's simply because we could not complete their audits on time. Um, They either submitted financials very late or they did not submit financials at all. So we're unable to, to say much about the state of the disclaimer audit opinions in that province. The other provinces have got um, one or a number of um, uh, auditees with disclaimer audit opinions. If you look at the northwest, the auditees in this list include um, Bay which has been under administration for a number of years now, at least two years running now. And that is an area that struggles with access to water, with major concerns around service delivery, and has done so for a great deal of time. In looking at this municipality, we noted that they received a combination of uh, conditional grant and equitable share of 861 million rand. At the end of the year, they had 261 million rand. What happened to the 600 million rand during the course of the year, no one is able to account for. If you look at um, the Eastern Cape, Chris Hani District Municipality received in combination of equitable share and, and conditional grant, a total of a billion rand, uh, one billion rand and 43 million rand to be exact. At the end of the year, they had 42 million rand in the bank account. So essentially, a billion rand of money that has gone through that municipality with very little information as to what it's been done. This municipality also has people working in the finance unit and yet is unable to put financials together. So they had people that they paid a total of 66 million rand over the course of the year uh, in the finance division they also went and found a consultant to conduct this work of compiling financial statements paid them 24 million rand so if we add the 24 and the 66 million rand you come to a number of 90 million rand for the purpose of compiling financial information and yet this district municipality has a disclaimer audit opinion and there are similar stories in kzn umzinyathi district 643 million rand received from the national purse, 2 million rand left in the bank account, still a disclaimer, my ordered opinion. So some worrying signals about what's happening in, in, in these municipalities in different parts of the country. I turn now to the matters around the performance reports um, and share a very simple message that the disciplines of planning performance monitoring performance and reporting performance, those are still not in place. 24% of municipalities gave us performance reports that were credible in that they were useful and reliable. During the audit process, uh, another 24% used the opportunity to correct misstatements so that 48% of municipalities published information that is reliable on how they've gone about meeting their service delivery promises. What this tells us is that the discipline of managing performance and reporting faithfully on it, that is still pretty weak. In assessing this area, we focused our effort on programs relating to water services, to sanitation and to housing programs. And it is in many of these programs where we were able to confirm that that which was being reported as achievements for performance was, was indeed reliable. Um, So, And this has a direct impact in terms of the ability to report credibly uh, and to build the confidence of citizens. On the compliance aspects, um, we we looked at compliance in the normal course once again, and we found that 86% of municipalities had compliance findings that were material um, during the course of the year. And much of that related to compliance with supply chain legislation. So the disciplines of procuring goods and services in a manner that's consistent with the prescripts relating to that, those are not in place. We still found instances of uncompetitive and unfair procurement processes. We found instances of awards to employees and to political office bearers. And as you know, that this is prohibited in terms of the municipal supply chain management regulations. There were limitations to our audits um, for contracts valued at 1.4 billion rand. This is where we select an expenditure for audit. where We want to check whether in the course of entering into that expenditure, into that contract, the key laws relating to supply chain management were observed and when we ask for this documentation we simply do not get it. Whether or not it's a records management issue, whether or not it's a lack of will for for, for providing that information, that is a different matter. The issue for us is that we're unable to complete our audits because the information that should support um, accountability and transparency that is not available to us. Irregular expenditure for this year is calculated at 26 billion Rand, having been incurred by a total of the 246 municipalities who have submitted financial statements. Whilst the number um, 26 billion Rand um, is reported, we do hasten to add that we believe that the number is understated because. 73 municipalities were already qualified on the completeness of their disclosure on irregular expenditure. So we can't confirm completeness of this number, and we therefore can assert that it is likely to be higher than the 26 billion rand that's being reported. I turn now to the audit outcomes themselves. Um, We're still finding that audit outcomes remain quite poor. 27 clean audits for the 1920 financial year 89 unqualified with findings 66 qualified six adverse and 12 that were disclaimed the 57 on the extreme right hand side of the slide are those audits that we had not yet completed when we started our analysis and i'll take you through what those outcomes look like now so of auditees makes up 11% of the municipalities. If we compare it to the budget that's carried by those municipalities, we're finding that it's 9% of the expenditure budget that is resting in the hands of auditees that have attained clean audits. The 27 is higher than last year's 20, which is notable and it's good progress. Our concern is that This administration inherited 33 clean orders when they began back in 1617. So the system has gone backwards instead of making the progress that's required. When we target this report at the new incoming leadership of the municipalities, we will be raising with them the same message about the importance of maintaining that which is in place and improving on it so that we do not go backwards. The the improvements over the course of the year, we found 43 municipalities that improved from the last year to to, to, to this year, while some of them went backwards. And the reason it's notable that there are improvements while others go backwards is that it tells you that None of these auditees has got the stability of systems and the predictability of outcomes that guarantees gradual improvement. So, we do need to stabilize the internal controls within local government. I think it's, it's useful to, to inform you that the metros, which carry significant parts of the budget, most of them had unqualified audits with findings. So, most of them sit in the yellow zone. Except for Buffalo City and Nelson Mandela Bay, which were which were qualified, and then City of Eshowe, which was clean. Mangau is one that we could not compete on time because they submitted their financials late. Um, however, it previously had a qualified audit opinion. So you've really got one clean audit amongst the metros. The majority unqualified, and then the two qualified ones in the in the Eastern Cape. Whilst we're talking about the provincial messages, just to give you some, some highlights on, on what the, the picture looks at provincial level, looks like at provincial level. In the Eastern Cape, um, I'll just wait for the slides to, to turn a bit. Oh, okay, sorry. Before we do that, sorry, sorry, Penny, I think I missed something. Just go back to just the the, the, the last slide, sorry, just to give the sense on the outcomes for the orders that we've subsequently completed. In the previous slide, I indicated that there had been 57 orders that were outstanding at the end of the year, at the the beginning of our analysis. We've since finalized 32 of those. The outcomes of the ones that have now been finalized sit mostly within the disqualified and the qualified, the disclaimer and 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 the qualified space, with a few in the unqualified zone. Um, so I, I think you can see that the picture in terms of our analysis doesn't change significantly in terms of the, um, the, the auditees that have subsequently been completed, save for the, the number of disclaimers. Uh, there are 25 audits that are not yet finalized, and the reasons for those delays relate to the submissions of financials that came late um, and to audits, uh, financial statements that have yet to be submitted to us. Uh, A number of those sitting in the free state province. The the delays in the audit process, many of those relate to the difficulties of engaging in the context of lockdown um, and the the concerns around keeping people safe. Um, And we'll continue to pursue the the conclusion of those audits so that the relevant accountability processes can kick into motion. Okay, now let's go to the provinces. Thank you. The the Eastern Cape, um, that's one where we continue to raise some concern that whilst there may be some improvement year on year, there are still instances where the control environments are quite poor. So we're worried about whether the improvements we're seeing are indeed sustainable. Some good stories in in the Eastern Cape. Sennu local municipality continues to maintain a, a clean ordered track record and we often ask our teams how is it that sennu sticks out and stands out and, and and continues to get this clean order and the feedback from our teams is that the municipality benefits from stability of leadership in the administration stability of leadership at the political level and due regard for the different roles, the distinct roles played by administrative leadership and political leadership. They are supportive and yet hold the line in terms of the different roles. And I think that's a useful lesson in terms of what works and what doesn't work. The qualified um, audits include the two metros, as I indicated. Um, And in the disclaimer zone are oddities such as the Chris Hyman District Municipality, which I spoke to earlier on. In the free state, we've raised financial health concerns around the free state local government sphere for many years now. And we initially started to see that over-reliance on consultants in the free state um, a number of years ago. In this year, some of the things that we're seeing are late or non-submission of financial statements, which is worrying. So for example, is one of those audits where financial statements are simply not being submitted for audit. Machabe municipality, which was in the news in the last couple of weeks with service delivery protests. That is a municipality that has a history of financial health challenges, a history of supply chain management findings that go undealt with in terms of the requisite consequence management. This year, the municipality clocked debt to ESCOM of 3.3 billion rand. So at the end of the year, they were owing ESCOM 3.3 billion rand and they did not have this cash in the bank account ready to pay ESCOM. They owed the water board, the CDB water board 3.6 billion rand. They, have poor infrastructure for water services because they've not been maintaining that infrastructure. And as a consequence of that, this year they reported water losses of 462 million Rand. The service delivery protests in the last week, a week or two, related to access to water. When we dug deeper, we found that CDBM water had not. Ordered the chemicals that are required to service the Balkfontein water treatment plant. And the reason Bay Water had not ordered those chemicals is because they themselves are not being paid by the municipality, which itself has got pressing financial health challenges. So, a direct impact on the lives of citizens from years of neglect in terms of dealing with the financial health challenges, dealing with the financial management disciplines and the performance management disciplines and the compliance that should help us to stay in leakage. In the Gauteng province, the two clean audits are Midva and the city of Ekurlen. Midval has sustained its clean audits for a number of years now. And part of the story there relates to stability of leadership. The, uh, the other metros, Twani and COJ, are sitting in the yellow zone for, for this particular province. It's notable that Kaateng does not have any disclaimer or opinions. <clears throat> KZN, one of the clean audits in KZN is Okashamba, which is in the Drakensberg. Okashamba has maintained its clean audit now for six years, And when we ask our teams, once again, about why is it that Okahamba not only attained a clean audit, but retains it year on year, what is it? How is this possible? And they come back and tell us that in their ongoing observation, there is a commitment by the leadership of the municipality to attaining clean audit outcomes. They invest in ensuring that all of the systems internally support the generation of credible financial information, useful and reliable performance information, and that compliance matters are kept in check. And the reason clean audit is a priority for this municipality is that the leadership there has embraced the notion that clean audit helps them as they seek to attract the investment that allows them to maintain their infrastructure and deliver the services that support the tourism sector in that municipality. Again, I think some useful observations in terms of what works and what doesn't work. In Limpopo, there have been improvements in Limpopo. They've done away with all of their disclaimers. And that is credit to the very strong tone that's been set by the provincial government. Capricorn um, retains its clean audit. Um, and the only auditee that had an adverse opinion is Mohala Kouine, which has been the site of much political and administrative instability for many years. In fact, in this year, the CFO role remained vacant, there were other uh, staff members that acted in that role at different points during the year, which led to significant instability. So whilst they had a staff of people within the finance unit paying them a total of 111 million rand in the year, when the year ended, they did not have the records that would allow them to prepare information for audit purposes. So they went and hired a consultant to help them compile financials, paid that consultant 34 million rand. And yet when we arrived for audit, we could not um, agree with the information that was presented to us because the evidence to support those transactions was simply not there. So the quick fix got them to an adverse opinion. It cost them 34 million rand. If you add the 111 million rand to the 34 million rand, you come to 140 million rand for what is ultimately a disclaimer or a opinion. Proving once again, that the quick fixes just don't work. Limpopo is a good story in terms of the improvements that we're seeing on an aggregate level. The only caution we would add here is that the reliance on consultants is unsustainable. So what the province needs to do now is use this platform to build on uh, in terms of setting up the systems of a good and sustainable control environment in those municipalities. In Bumalanga, this province over the last four years has gone backwards. Um, We've seen them regress in terms of um, losing a number of audits from the unqualified space, going into the qualified space, going into the disclaimer, and into the adverse space. We also struggled to complete our audits in pumalanga and that's because the in fact the teams tell us that is because auditing in pumalanga is incredibly difficult, starting with just the quality of financials that are submitted for audit. Many municipalities run their transactions essentially out of the bank account and then they try and compile financial statements right at the end of the year. And the ability to then audit that which has been cobbled together at the last minute is really, really difficult. There is a story that's a good one, an encouraging one, which again demonstrates of what is possible if there is the right level of focus. Kangala Municipality has maintained its clean audit over many, many years, and that is credited to the type of leadership that is sitting in that municipality at present if we turn to the northern cape in this province our major concern is around the financial health of municipalities in in the province we're seeing some changes that are moving in the right direction however for them to be sustainable there needs to be a, a greater effort from the leadership to instill the key disciplines that are required. Um, So, and and, and indeed the financial health aspects remain a real concern. If you remember the slide I shared around the the municipalities with financial health concerns already tabled by them. In the Northwest, this province is one that we've um, rang an alarm bell over for many, many years you'll see that 12 audits remained un, uncompleted, mainly because financials were not submitted on time if they were submitted at all. Uh, for example, Djibouti is one of those municipalities which has a repeat disclaimer from many years ago and has been, um, was not able to submit financials on time. And that's the one with the, with the most recent issues around the investments by, um, by the private sector one of the stories in the northwest which gives you a feel dr ruth mombati municipality they spent the year they got a disclaimer opinion during the course of the year they conducted no reconciliations of their bank accounts they even made double payments to some suppliers because the controls were so poor they received 697 million rand from a combination of equitable share and conditional grant at the end of the year, they had 115 million rand left. In terms of accounting for what is um, over 500 million rand, nobody is able to do. In the Western Cape, this province retains its track record as housing the largest number of clean audits um, within the province. And that is credit to the good financial accounting controls within municipalities, and also the support given by the provincial government. The, this province delivered financial statements that were free of material misstatements for all but two municipalities. There were only two municipalities within this province that did not have quality financial that were submitted. The rest benefited from, as I say, the good controls within municipalities and the support uh, given by the provincial government. One of the municipalities that is a source of inspiration is Wittenberg in terms of how it attains and maintains its track record for clean audit outcomes. Again, we keep asking our teams about what makes this municipality work. And they tell us that it's about the leadership tone being set. It's about the municipal manager who gives assurance throughout all areas of how that municipality functions, including ensuring that the internal audit function itself is effective. It's about responsiveness to the uh, work of internal audit and the work of external audit. And it's about the role that council and the impact plays in delivering on their oversight responsibilities. So for us, these are the anecdotes that help us understand what makes things work in a municipality and also what lets us down in a municipality. So, Honorable Chairpersons, I will now shift gears and look at the COVID 19 related expenditures in local government. I'll conclude on all of this properly at the end of the, of the presentation. But just to change gears a little bit and, 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 and walk you through the work that we conducted over the expenditures of COVID 19 relief funds across a number of municipalities. You'll recall that last year we conducted similar work in the 16 initiatives at the provincial and national government level. We issued the special report number one in September and the second one in December. And you'll also recall that the work was done slightly differently from how we normally do our work in terms of the regularity audit. Here, we conducted the work as the transactions were happening and we also, deployed a multidisciplinary audits team in each context so that the skills of the regularity auditors, the financial auditors, those skills were complemented by the expertise of our colleagues who, who are specialists in forensics, specialists in information systems audits, as well as performance audit specialists. So the insights that we share with you would sound different from what I've just shared now. We looked at 43 municipalities in terms of how they deployed the funds that were available to them. You recall that when the 500 billion rand relief package was launched, the municipalities were allowed to um, use 11 billion rand towards the the, um, uh, health and uh, social relief response. They were allowed to um, use conditional grants Towards the, the COVID nineteen response, and then there was also the Municipal Disaster Relief Fund of 151 million rand, which was then availed to municipalities to actually use towards this this purpose. So the the package that was allowed allowable for municipalities to use was was a combination of the equitable share, uh, which was transferred uh, between December 2020 and March 20, 2021. Uh, it was conditional grant and it was other grants that were repurposed towards these initiatives, and it was the specific Municipal Disaster Relief Fund. If we had tried to rely on the Municipal Disaster Relief Fund, the funding would have been inadequate to respond to the emergency that was facing all of us across the country. We selected a total of 43 municipalities. We would have loved to do this work across all of the municipalities. However, the constraints of time and resources demanded that we select a few municipalities based on our own understanding of the risks associated with those munichs, as well as the quantum of the expenditure on these programs. And in the map on the screen now, you'll see where the 43 municipalities are. So I've added this slide overnight uh, just to give you a a full sense of where these municipalities are. And you'll see that we covered um, a few municipalities right across the country. So there wasn't a a focus purely on one part of the country or on one or two provinces. We really did make sure that there was coverage um, with a a, a fair distribution across the provinces. The major thing that I would want to share with the honorable members this morning is that uh, whilst this work was done on a real-time basis, we started initially by highlighting the preventative controls that municipal managers needed to put in place. We then tested how those uh, transactions ran and we gave findings and observations to the municipal managers as soon as we were done. There have been a number of them that have responded well to our observations and our findings and have taken the steps to prevent further problems. Um, Our job now is to use this upcoming audit period to follow up on how those actions have um, impacted the environment. But there has been um, some encouraging responsiveness across a number of municipalities. Um, And we're hoping this can inspire all of the accounting officers to to do likewise. The projects we looked at covered in the initial instance, the infrastructure projects, which were on the quarantine sites, on the temporary shelters, on the water infrastructure and on water tanks. If I can just be taken to that slide, thank you. Um, So one of the first findings or, or observations related to the notion that the disciplines of conducting appropriate needs assessment and planning for our different initiatives, those were not as strong as what they should have been. Yes, it was an emergency. Yes, nobody could have foreseen what would confront us. So there was always going to be some uncertainty around what to do. However, we are highlighting that uh, we need to uh, get our disciplines right so that should the next emergency of whatever kind confront us, uh, we would have learned from this experience and tightened our processes. Because procurement management and contract management is a problem in local government. This emergency and these initiatives landed in that environment. And so the existing weaknesses in the system were essentially what led us down. So because of procurement processes that were problematic, there were instances on these programs where there were were uncompetitive and unfair procurement processes undertaken, leading to us either paying excessively for goods and services, um, paying for goods and services that were of poor quality uh, and not being able to manage the contractors appropriately, um, getting uh, water tents, for example, installed, and yet there was poor workmanship that was evident. We found that there were, there were delays in completing projects because we were not able to manage the suppliers and the contractors appropriately. We also found that payments were made when there wasn't the requisite progress on projects that was able to be confirmed. We highlight these things because in our view, they are consistent with the matters we keep raising in the context of the regularity audit. in that it is the same controls that need attention if we are to ensure that whether there's an emergency or not, the funding that is available to us to deliver services, that funding reaches its intended purpose. In terms of PPE, um, we conducted these audits much in the same way as we did for the provincial and national government. And you'll find that the the findings and observations are quite similar. From a procurement point of view, um, still procurement processes that were not being followed uh, with awards to family members, um, and to officials employed in the state, which is a contravention of, of the prescripts and local government. Uh, we found that there were red flags for fraud uh, and we've compiled this information and we will share it with the fusion center in the same way as we did for um, the, the, the last report. We also found that PPE was bought at prices that were higher than the market rates that were determined by the national treasury. Uh, PPE was delivered um, uh, at the wrong place, not on time, um, at the wrong quantity, and often at the wrong quality. And then we also looked at how PPE was stored once it was in the hands of the municipality. And we found that the disciplines are ensuring that the integrity of that PPE is maintained so that the value of it is actually experienced in the way that's intended. Those disciplines were not in place, and as a result, You found instances of poor storage practices, poor stock rotation of this PPE, and ultimately um, we could not get the very best value for what we bought. Mm -hmm. And other findings around the the, um, health response um, and the social relief response. uh, We found that when we looked at the water tankering services, at the sanitation services, there were instances where Once again, procurement was a problem. There were instances where um, the COVID 19 relief funding was paid, was used for something other than COVID 19. Uh, An example is a municipality in the Eastern Cape where the funds were used to buy the mayor a car rather than this intended purpose. We also found that the water distribution programs were um, conducted at prices that were inflated. Um, And that sometimes the water tankering services were such that we paid for people to fill tanks and yet they did not fill the tanks. So with all the best intentions in the world, the water tanks are installed. There's a tankering service that's procured and there's payment in good faith. But then the citizen at the end of the day doesn't get the benefit of the water as what we should have put in place. And we, understand that much of it is about the disciplines of monitoring programs, of um, monitoring the the activities by the people we contract. An example around the the sanitation services would have been where we installed the chemical toilets as what would have been envisaged, and the intention would have been to provide hygienic and safe conditions for people in the context of this pandemic. But because we didn't put in place the discipline of monitoring the service around cleaning these toilets once they were in place. We didn't achieve the intention which was to provide hygienic and safe conditions for citizens. And once again, our views that is about putting in place those disciplines around making sure that that which we spend on is what we ultimately get. So I now move on to the third and final part of our report on chairpersons and members, which is to deal with the material irregularities process that we have undertaken in the local government sphere. As you recall, the Public Audit Act amendments came through on the 1st of April, 2019. At that time, we then say we will uh, conduct the implementation on a phased-in basis. And in the initial phase, we looked at nine municipalities. And so this was the second phase where we implemented this new set of powers at 57 oddities in the municipal space. And just to remind the honorable members that the material irregularity is distinct from irregular expenditure in that where we have found non-compliance or fraud or theft, or even a breach of a fiduciary duty, we're required to interrogate and confirm whether there is some indication of material loss, whether it's financial loss or loss of a public resource, or some indication that substantial harm is being caused to an institution or to the general public. So there has to be, yes, the non-compliance, but then also some impact or likely impact that we can see. And then the powers require that we refer the matter for uh investigation by a public body and that if that investigation comes through then we issue recommendations on what needs to be done if those recommendations are not implemented by the accounting officer we're then compelled to take binding remedial action and when that remedial action is not complied with then we issue a certificate of death so in this audit cycle we've implemented these powers at these 57 municipalities and i'll just share with you at a high level the type of matters that we found. These are the municipalities where we implemented these powers. Um, So we looked at transactions um, in different parts of the country. And once again, we're demonstrating that we did not focus on one or two provinces, but we did spread um, the, the selections right across the country so that we give fair representation to different parts of of the country. Some of the municipalities, we have not yet completed orders on. For example, Marudja Pufu, where they've not submitted financial. So we're unable to articulate on whether or not there would have been MIs there. And others, we are continuing to to, um, confirm our analysis of these material irregularities. So the examples or the report I will share with you just now is where we are at the moment. Some of the MIs we will continue to track um, and, and, and get to a fair conclusion on because that's the beauty of the MI process. It doesn't need for us to wait for one year end to the next. Um, it's a continuous process in terms of following up or even in terms of raising the, the MIs. Okay, I think we can just go to the next slide, which deals with the nature of the identified MIs. We found a total of 96 material irregularities that we have already informed the municipal managers of. We've estimated a financial loss of 2 billion Rand associated with these MIs. In the first instance, we raised MIs relating to the disclaimer audit opinions. Here we looked at those municipalities that have repeat disclaimer on opinions. And we've raised the M.I. on the basis that the failure to compile full and proper records and present financial information that's supported by those records, that is having a detrimental impact on the public sector institution but as municipality, and it's having a direct impact on harm being caused to the public. And so we've raised these disclaimer or opinions. In raising them, it's not always easy to put a number to the type of harm one causes by not delivering services or one causes by uh, creating a situation where investments leave that particular municipality. However, we do raise it and we do seek the response from the municipal managers. Other MIs relate to the area of procurement and payments. Um, on the procurement side, there are instances where, because the procurement process is not followed, um, we end up overpaying for the goods and services that we procured. The specific example here was in the Or Tambo District, where the water supplier contract was issued to a supplier other than the one that had the highest points at the bid evaluation stage. So, because we didn't follow the law of issuing the contract to the supplier with the highest point, we ended up overpaying for the water supply contract. So that is the financial loss associated with that decision. We are finding that still there are payments being made for goods and services that are not rendered um, or payments being made to the wrong accounts, um, as was the case in one of the metros. instances where we are paying for people who are not employed. Um, So in KZN, there were two municipalities, Newcastle and Nsundizi, where there were people who were essentially ghost employees. They, they, They were being paid a salary. One had already left the municipality and the other one had never even started the job at that municipality, which raises issues about the type of controls over the payroll that ought to be in place. And when we don't have those controls, then we lose a lot of value from the system. We raised some MIs relating to interest and penalties paid to SARs, to ESCOM um, and to the waterfalls and other suppliers. Now it may surprise you as to why we would be worried about raising uh, interest and penalties for late payments to these suppliers. Our view is that someone is going to have to pay for this um, interest and penalties that are being incurred. And for as long as the CFO and the municipal manager are not seized with prioritising these creditors and meeting their obligations as per the settlement agreement entered into with these suppliers, then there will continue to be uh, this leakage resulting in foodless and wasteful expenditure and also resulting in a failure to Uh, deliver services, whether it's around electricity or even water. Some of these transgressions relate to payments made to, uh, well, payments that were not made to medical aids and to patient funds, um, whereas the deductions have actually happened. So these disciplines, we do believe, need attention, and they have a detrimental impact on the institutions and on, on the financial health of those institutions. Revenue management is another area that needs attention. We found instances where properties were not being built or not being built properly for water, for sanitation, for rates and taxes. And this is an internal controls matter which needs attention. And municipalities that don't attend to this area will continue to lose money um, and continue to struggle to maintain some semblance of of operations and the ability to deliver services on a sustainable basis. We raised some matters around investments that were made especially relating to VBS in the northwest Um, and there are also instances where we're finding MIs on assets that are not being safeguarded. I'll give you two examples. In the city of Chani there were there was a Um, a reservoir project that was being vandalized because it was not being safeguarded. The security around that was not up to par. There was also similarly in Twani, a wastewater treatment plant um, where assets were being stolen and and the, the, the infrastructure was being vandalized, which at some point somebody is going to have to pay for and also is going to have a direct impact on the ability to deliver services. So honorable chairpersons and members, um, I've come to the end of my presentation and I'll sum up with a conclusion that says, we will continue as an audit office to work with all the partners that are worried about matters relating to local government. Anybody who has responsibilities in this sector, we will continue to work with and, and, and support through executing on our mandate around auditing and reporting, and also around the follow-up mechanism on the MIs. We'll continue to engage through the status of records review, which is that proactive tool for MMs. We'll continue to share our insights on the root causes um, and and to share some recommendations on actions that can be taken. We'll continue to find opportunities to conduct real-time audits. um, And we'll also participate in the journey of capacitating the incoming leadership. So the induction programs that um, other players in the system will will put in place, we will certainly make ourselves available to to add value to. Our message for this report is really one about leadership. Whether you look at it in the context of the regularity audit or of the real-time audit, or even in the context of the MRs, our conclusion is that without the Leadership that sets the right tone at the top, leadership that's ethical, that is service-orientated, that is commit, committed to instilling principles and practices of accountability, of transparency, and good governance. Without that, we're not going to be able to resolve the matters, the very pressing matters across local government. We're also wanting to use this report to share with the incoming leadership, the urgency with which they've got to capacitate and stabilize the the administration functions within their municipalities. Because without an administration that is stable, with people that are competent, that are given the space to execute on their duties without political interference, and that are enjoying tenure that allows them to be effective in their roles without that we're not going to be able to deal with matters within local government. When we look at our, our analyses, and again, it doesn't matter through which lens, whether it's the real-time audits, the MIs, or the regularity audits, we come back to this notion that much of it begins and ends with leadership, creating an administration that is up to the task and giving it space to fulfill its duties and then holding it accountable the journey of building a strong internal control environment is not one that can be done through shortcuts. It does take time. So you need a musical manager and a senior management team that's given the opportunity to build those disciplines, build the teams around them to instill those disciplines so that over time we see the, the consistent improvements, not just in mitigating losses, in audit outcomes, but ultimately in the integrity and the performance of municipalities. And we also highlight that central to the journey of building a strong internal control environment is ensuring that there is accountability, especially when things go wrong. There must be consequences, there must be appropriate, swift and and consistent consequences brought to bear when things do go wrong. So that over time, we set a culture that does not tolerate Um, transgressions and does not tolerate ongoing poor performance. So that is our message, Honourable Chairpersons and Members. Um, And thank you very much for your kind and patient attention. It's been um, some significant information to
1: share with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much, A.G. Um, It's
2: it's, it's indeed a, a mouthful. Um, because you have um, come up with three um, levels uh, for our indulgence. One is the extent um, of the implications uh, which are as a result of expenditure um, in terms of the receipts recorded, records kept, unkept, for operations at the municipal level, which uh, is contained in your uh, audit findings um, for the annual uh, municipal uh, recorded uh, audit outcomes. The second area is the area that relates to uh, the expenditure um, on, on the COVID allocation Uh, as we would know uh, that the total amount which has been paid, uh, made available or set aside uh, for the benefit of local government as announced at the time was uh, an amount of 20 billion rand and out of that you are highlighting uh, the element of that expenditure which is about uh, allocation of sixteen point seven billion rand, um, and and uh, thirdly, you have uh, given us a report uh, which uh, relates uh, in detail uh, to uh, the material uh, irregularities uh, uh, which uh, are based uh, on a number of municipalities selected. I think it's about fifty-seven municipalities in this regard. So, colleagues. You are free uh, to uh contribute ask questions clarity and and, and in that in that matter uh, we satisfy ourselves um, for our own uh, portfolios
1: um looking into the gadget uh, I don't see a hand here, And unless it's somewhere else.
3: Honourable you, they are a couple of hands. a uh, few
2: hands, Chef. Yes. Hands, yes. oh, here they come, here they come.
3: On that list, please add Honourable Liz, as you know that from the Scopus side, we put our hands up via group. So on your list, please add Honourable list. thanks.
2: OK, fine. Uh, we, have, we have the following hands, um, Honourable Singh, uh, Honorable Singh, uh, Honourable Kalipi, Honourable Tlonyane, mm-hmm. eh, Honourable Mende, Honourable Mpumza, Honourable Lis. Uh, those are the at the hands um, as as indicated. Uh, can we start with uh, Honourable Singh? Uh,
4: thank you very much. Uh... Honourable Chairpersons, uh, especially my Chairperson, Honourable Soumya, and the other Chairpersons that are online. I'm very glad that uh, we've got three committees, but I would really have liked that we had Finance uh, Committee on board as well, because I think they have a a responsibility to play in the overall uh, management of finances in the country. But let me start off by saying uh, very briefly, uh, I want to thank the Auditor General for this report, and if I may use slang terms, I can say the report was grand. Uh, you know, a lot of young people say, ah, it was grand. So this report was grand because it reveals, honorable chairperson, grand theft, grand corruption, grand mismanagement. That's this, my summary of what this report is all about. But having said that, honorable chairperson, you know, this is a report for a financial year ended almost one year ago. and. I'm sure for most of us who have been around for as long as you and I and, and, and some of the others, I mean, this is deja vu. This is something uh, with respect to the Auditor General that we've been hearing over and over and over and over again, like a stuck record of, of, of grand mismanagement within government departments. And here we're talking about local government. And, Chairperson, I think at the end of this meeting with our colleagues from the other committees, We've really got to say to ourselves, what are we going to do to turn the situation around? Otherwise, every year, the Auditor General and a team will spend many, many hours giving us this very, very report and probably pointing out a few successes here and there. And that's not going to help us, Honorable Chairperson. It's not going to help the country. It's not going to help the taxpayers. I've said this before and I want to say it again to my other colleagues in other committees that we need as government to develop and train a cadre And I want to use cadre, I know other parties don't like this thing, cadre development. But we need a cadre of financial officers, CFOs, that can be deployed to different municipalities and government departments across the country, irrespective of the political affiliation. The Auditor General has reported to us, Honorable Chairpersons, that we're spending one billion rand on consultants, and largely because 68% of the use of consultants is the lack of skills within these municipalities. <clears throat> now, that is a deplorable situation when, when, when there's lack of skills and highly paid people in these municipalities. So... We need to know we need to do something. We need to develop this data. We've got the School of Governance. We've got the Office of the Accountant General. And that office is supposed to manage and create capacity building of accounting services in accounting units. Is it functioning? Who does it report to? How is it functioning? Uh, so this is a, a people problem that we can resolve and hopefully Three to four years down the line, we can say as these joint committees that we've been able to achieve something by turning around uh, the situation in these municipalities. with putting competent people. So that's my first uh, sort of comment. The second one, a uh, question to the Auditor General, is uh, we've got this new powers. We say we've got teeth, we've got everything else. We've got certificate of death. We've got referrals to other bodies. To what extent have any of these matters? being referred to other bodies, uh, the hawks, the police, uh, uh, SIU, et cetera, et cetera, for investigation. And where are we with those kinds of investigations? Now, honorable chairperson, lastly, I want to say, you know, it's common knowledge you know, for centuries that countries that produce arms, even in the eighteen hundred, would deliberately create conflicts in countries, in Africa and everywhere else in the world, so that they can sell, they can have a market for their arms. I believe here that people are deliberately creating chaos within the financial management sphere, whether it's through consultants or whoever else, so that people can be employed. And, and, and if we don't arrest this situation, Honorable Chairperson, You know, I will resign, you will resign, we'll all retire. And MPs 50 years from now will be saying, well, look at these terrible reports that are coming. So I'm appealing. I'm appealing while we have the details of which municipalities, which provinces, et cetera, that at the end of this meeting, we can jointly say, let us do one, two, three, as a way of arresting the situation in the short, medium, and long term. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson.
2: Thanks, um, uh, Honourable, uh, Honourable Singh. Uh, the next uh, Honourable Singh.
5: Chairperson, thank you very much. Um, I want to uh, start off by uh, saying thank you to the Auditor General for the very um, detailed but depressing report that she has given to us. I'm personally not surprised about the state of the finances in uh, local municipalities. I was a little hopeful that perhaps maybe the situation would change, but um, unfortunately it it gets worse every single year without fail. I haven't had a situation or experience for the years that I was in Parliament where I listened to an Auditor-General's report that shows overall that the state of municipalities, especially when it comes to financial management, is getting better. But what is even more concerning, chair, is that, notwithstanding the fact that things get worse, very few people are held accountable for this situation that we find ourselves in, and therein lies, I think, the single biggest problem that we have in government, and that the lack of accountability when, when people mismanage the public funds. I mean, people just do as they please and they simply get away with it. We've listened to this report now for more than an hour and a half, and it was wave after wave after wave of corruption, crookery and chaos in, in municipalities. And there's just so little hope that we get from these reports that says things are getting better in certain areas. And that, I think, Chairperson, is the one thing that I really do want to highlight in this meeting Unless there's something significant that's going to be done as a matter of urgency in terms of financial management, our country is going to be finished. If we think that the COVID is a crisis in South Africa, corruption is 10 times worse because that is going to kill more people than COVID does, actually, because of the high levels of unemployment and poverty in our country and the very little resources that we actually have are being stolen by people who are given a job to look after the the public funds. That's going to destroy the country even worse than COVID would. So unless there's going to be something significant that's going to be done at a senior government level, the situation is going to get worse. And the seriousness of the situation is actually even more depressing when you look at it. There's not even a single minister that's on this discussion or a single MEC who takes an active interest to come to parliament to say, we're actually concerned about the state of affairs and this is what we want to do about it. Because even they don't even care. Because if they cared, chair, we would have been in a better situation than we are today. But all of the promises that they make in respect of we're going to take action, but nothing. It's all just cheap words. And the next report that comes from the Auditor General, I can almost guarantee you is going to get worse. At a time when South Africans needed our government, needed the civil servants the most during COVID, That's the time the crooks started working. And they stole more money during this period than ever before. And it really is a very depressing state of affairs, Jay. The single biggest problem we have in our country at a local government level, at a provincial and a national government level, is the lack of accountability when people do wrong. And that's why I want to ask the uh, Auditor General Chairperson, because I think maybe the AG's office is the only sense of hope that we have because none of the other ministers give me any inspiration to say this one is actually serious about putting the crooks in jail rather than putting them into parliament. I want to ask the, the, the AG, she did mention that there are occasions where the AG's office issues a certificate of debt where, the, um, uh, where corrective action hasn't been taken. And I'd really like to get a, a report on exactly how much, how many certificates of debt has been issued and how much of that money has been recovered and how many of the municipal managers were actually held accountable because that's at least a little tool for which I appreciate that the AG is starting to use uh, to the AG's office advantage but unless we're going to start recovering some of those monies and hold people accountable um, the situation is still going to get worse so I'd like to get some information from that chairperson but uh, thank you very much for the opportunity.
2: Thank you, uh, Honorable Usain. Um The next uh, person is uh, Honorable um, Kalipi.
6: Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I just want to concur with two um, colleagues who spoke before me, especially to say that I'm not surprised about this report from the AG. And I also want to allude to the fact that it's very, very, very discouraging. And uh, by the look of things, Uh, is still going to be very worse, especially for the poorest of the poor who are expecting us at a leadership level, especially the ruling party who's supposed to protect people on the ground. Uh, Chairperson, before I also want to engage with the AG, I want to check with the AG herself, because I think on the 3rd of June, we also received media reports to say one of her managers was also arrested for fraudulent uh, activity. And you know, uh, I don't know if it's only me or other, uh, as well as other members of parliament. If it comes to AG, that where our hopes are there, when we we rely on the AG's report and so on to deal with such uh, corruption, to deal with corruption in in South Africa. But now, if you receive some of the uh, very disturbing matters Disturbing matters in terms of a manager from her office also acted unethical. I know that is not um, AJ's fault, but I mean, it's also discouraging because we, I think our hopes are very high uh, from her office. I also saw her comment saying that, no, she was also condemning of what the general manager from her office was doing in terms of uh, acting unethically. Without having said that, Chairperson, Coming back to the report, I just want to say that as COCTAC Portfolio Committee, uh, we have been relying extensively on the report of Auditor General to direct it's of, of to direct our oversight actions. The official release of the 2019-2020 MFA audit outcomes is therefore of great interest as COCTA portfolio committee. However, the picture does not look good, as other colleagues have also said so. Poor audit outcomes remain prevalent despite the increase in the number of clean audits and the drastic reduction of disclaimers compared to the previous financial year. Not much can be read into the apparent improvements because 22% of audits are still... So therefore, Chairperson, I just want to get specific uh, recommendation from the AG uh, to Parliament in respect of the key findings relating to COVID-19 relief, the relief. Funding to local government, and also Chairperson, uh, we want to. I want to know in terms of uh, the, the the intervention, uh, legislative legislative intervention in the form of intergovernmental monitoring support and intervention bill, which has been the pipeline since fourth Parliament. So I want to get as well as you know our hopes were also very high in terms of the public audit act want to get a very clear from the AG in this situation, which is very demoralizing, which the looting uh, is the order of the day and the corruption is the order of the day is even worse during this pandemic. So what are the recommendations from the AG, how to keep this situation during these trying times? Um, for instance, if I can make one example without uh, wasting time, because I know that there are so many people who want to talk because it's a I mean, this, uh, this meeting is also involved other committees, especially on the issue of Section 106, that quite often when we come across with such looting that is taking place at uh, local government elections, so we know what they also at the at a municipal level, they use Section 106. So does the AG have teeth? They have. Does the AG have a mandate also to go and uh, deal with Section 106 if those people at a municipality level they want to go and cover up in terms of an expenditure and uh, wasteful expenditure, and they, they just wanted to go to the council and have a special resolution to cover up. Thank you very much, Chiperson.
2: Thank you very much, um, uh, Honorable uh, Member. This uh, third, uh, fourth person to speak would be Honorable Fanyana.
7: Thank you very much um chairperson chairperson we welcome the report of the ag but before i engage with the report i just wanted to find out um we have had problems uh in the past where auditors from her office uh were threatened so i just wanted to know has the situation improved um are we still having situation where auditors from her office get threatened when dealing with ODTs. And then um, on the issue of the report that she has given us, Chair, it is worrying, not only worrying, but also very depressing because obviously if the situation continues like this in the municipalities where you know municipalities are the service delivery arm of this country, that means our people are still going to suffer a lot. Um, I just wanted to touch on the consultants, which uh, the municipalities have spent 1 billion. And then out of spending 1 billion, yet still you still have, um, you know, poor quality financials and everything else that the auditor um, general officer found there. Is it possible? For these consultants to be named and shamed so that the country knows these are the people who are busy looting our money because they are looting in the end of the day. And then um, secondly, um, you know, I'm also worried, Chair, about situations like Krizani District Municipality. You have municipalities which are under control under administration, yet still, they still get disclaimer auditor options, which makes absolutely no sense. These municipalities are under administration by the provincial governments. Should they have not turned the situation around, these are the municipalities which, if it's run by the the provinces, it should be in a better state than the state it was. That's the reason why it was put under administration in the first place. So that must be honestly looked into because it means the provincial governments who are supposed to be assisting these uh, municipalities are not doing a good job. And then the AG spoke about the accounting discipline, which are just not followed at all. And this is worrying because you know you have issues like um, Credible financial statements not being there. Obviously, with that said, it means you're going to have a problem with the credibility of budgets within the municipalities. And then it means service delivery is something that our people will never see in this lifetime. You know, um, um, Chair, disasters like COVID 19 are still going to come. We're still going to have disasters which are man made, and we're still going to have disasters which are natural disasters. With COVID, we've seen a lot of looting in a manner which is unbelievable. And my question is if tomorrow we get another disaster, how are we going to make sure that the looting at a grand scale never happens the way that it happened? And also that the money that is put aside to assist our people honestly does assist our people. Thank you very much, Chair.
2: Thank you very much, uh, um, Honorable Frenyana.
1: You are to be followed by Honorable Mente. Uh, Thank you very much, Chair. Uh,
8: Chair, some some support. Chair, Uh, let me bridge and thank the AG team and colleagues in the meeting. My question is also related to what another participant asked. That do we have any remedy to this situation, especially where all the is concerned? As we rely on the Auditor General to be the one policing the use or the expenditure thereof of whatever is appropriated through Parliament, because it looks like if we are going to depend on officials and politicians in office, there seems to be no way out in terms of the. You know, or having a proper, uh, proper measures in place to police the expenditure of funds. Now, secondly, on the presentation, I've already identified several criminal acts that have occurred, and my question is. I understand that the Auditor General has referred these things to uh, relatives, the department, and municipality. But I don't think it's correct to leave it to the hands of those people, knowing busy, that they are not going to do anything about it. Where well, a mayor buys a car with the money which is meant for COVID, and they go buy a car, that's a criminal activity. Where a person is employed in the office in terms of paper and payroll, but the person has never set foot in the office, that's a criminal offence. It works for a company that did not acquire enough uh, percentage to have been hired to uh, or render any service in the ministry or government. Is now found to be the one rendering the services without an explanation as to where is the one that has acquired enough um, percentage in terms of offering such services. That's, an, that, that's a criminal offense. I'm very bothered about those things. But how are we going to just leave it to them and ask them six months later or a year later that did you go and open a criminal offense? Leave the financial regulations and everything else that controls that money that on its own is very criminal. So I want to find out, isn't there a way, AG, that if you as your office you cannot open those criminal cases, you can quickly send such things to feed that the portfolio committee or on auditor general, standing committee of auditor general and parliament, then so that we can do something about it. It cannot be correct that those kinds of things will only get to interrogate them a year later. When those people have resigned and left and when those people are nowhere to be found and cannot be accounted for. It's, it's really very frustrating. Now, getting into what the Auditor General has powers to do, I'm very interested as well like uh, Honourable Hussein has indicated earlier on, what is the of acted upon in terms of what is uh, taking place in municipalities, especially on issues that are clear like the ones you have uh, given now. This um, report you, have, you are presenting now is following a very bad report which was presented in the previous year. Yet so we do not see any serious Actions taken against the municipality. So, can you please also brief us as to how far are you with dealing with this cases? Thank you
2: very much. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable uh, Mente. Um, honorable
9: Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and good morning to everyone. Mr. Chairman, yeah, it's an, an interesting concept. Normally, when we get uh, movies rerun over and over again, they're very popular movies, and they're going to make more and more money for the producers. In this case, we have a movie rerun over and over again, which must be one of the most unpopular movies in the history of movie making. But um, we get it year after year. So, Mr. Chairman, one of the, the um, major issues that the AG has, has raised is the appointment of staff who don't have the requisite skills um, and therefore simply can't do the job. And then there's an attempt to, to bring in consultants to, to fix after the fact. My question to the AG is this is not new. This, this deployment of people who are incompetent and unable to do the job um, has, has bedeviled the the financial outcomes of municipalities for for over a decade is there any commitment indicated by your staff when these audits are done and these issues are raised for there to be um, a change in the way of doing business in other words competent and skilled people to be appointed or is there no such commitment from the relevant authorities in these municipalities Mr. Chairman, it it is encouraging, though, to see that there are certain areas, such as the Western Cape, where there are continued um, better performances and good performances in many instances. And so, it's not something that um, it should be discredited as being impossible to achieve. With the the question I would like to ask the AG is, you made the point in the Western Cape that there is Significant provincial support for municipalities—is that not the case in the other provinces? provinces? Um, and or is it is it something that you you haven't really looked at? Thank you very much, Mr. Jim.
3: Thank you very much, Honourable Elias. Honourable Pumza. Um, and then, Chair, after that, if you can add Mmtolasha to your list, please. Okay. Uh, thank you, thank
10: you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, good morning. Uh, chairs mm-hmm. Chair, uh, Chair, in uh, welcoming uh, the report by the Auditor General, which is a uh, very concise and uh, the the Auditor General Chair is uh, raising. Uh, a number of accounting disciplines that seems to be absent, or that are weak within uh, uh, the local government space. Particularly, is raising that uh, the performance reporting, planning, and performance reporting is very unreliable, and uh, which means it's very very weak. And uh, this speaks to uh, perhaps uh, a challenge of uh, skills in that particular area. Also, that uh, around the procurement and uh, contract management, these are also critical areas of disciplines that are impacting uh, on the control environment. That seems to be very, very absent, including also the fact that uh, the very basic uh, administration factor, that of record keeping, is a matter. That seems to be absent in some of the municipalities. Chair, this report, uh, to some extent, speaks to how effective, the fact that uh, the Auditor General is indicating that effective accounting and uh, consequence management are disciplines that are, Sometimes not applied in the municipal space, or they are half heartedly applied uh, so that uh, corrective measures are taken. This, therefore, would be speaking to the fact that uh, how effective is the oversight function that is performed by these committees of administration and executive to ensure that. Uh, our oversight is impacting uh, on these uh, disciplines that they are triggered in the municipal space. Uh, That's a matter that we must look at, that uh, this Auditor General, to some extent, when it's repeated often year in, year out, and uh, to what extent then it is speaking to uh, the oversight function by committees of parliament and the province, as well as, how then provinces are actually implementing section 154 support uh, to municipalities to ensure that the capabilities that are required being these disciplines that are raised here that are sometimes absent are actually institutionalized in the municipalities at the same time uh, this report indicates that uh, they have a reliance on consultants for the compilation of financial statements does not necessarily translate uh, to institutionalization of uh, audit improvement outcomes in the control environment. So this use of consultants does not leave any skills in the municipalities. And then therefore it means that uh, municipalities would continue to outsource without building that internal capability of compiling financial statements, perhaps it's a matter that should be looked at going forward. How then municipalities are urged to move away from reliance on municipalities, on consultants, and relying instead on their internal capabilities to perform that particular function. So uh, my question would be to what extent are these present overall improvements in the 2019-2020 audit outcomes, reliable given that a sizable number of audits are
1: outstanding. Uh, Unmute yourself. Unmute, unmute. Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself, unmute yourself. Honorable Honorable Bomza. unmute yourself, please.
2: Who muttered?
10: Is the local sphere of government. My last question, Chair, would be: What specific recommendation does the Auditor General have for parliament in respect of the key? funding related to COVID-19 relief funds to local government. Thanks, Jefferson.
2: Uh, we've only had the, uh, just the, uh, we missed, we missed the better part of your second last point.
1: The, the last uh, point? Okay. The
2: last second last point, uh, because you are muted. Uh, if you could just summarize it.
10: All right, chair My question was,
2: uh, is there a way to shorten the
10: implementation of the material rituality process to ensure that it adapts and becomes responsive to the huge, high staff turnover environment characterizing the local sphere of
2: government? Thank you.
1: Thanks, thank
2: you, thank you, Honorable Pumza. Uh, Honorable uh, Tolashe.
11: Ngozi kakunu shalo beke gileo mandibulise kus shalo obongi na malungu general ne kalalake ya bulisa mshangapambi kwa mkala nje mandamkele le report i inde nimbabwe lege kangaka jibule le umsebenzi umsebe nzi uwe nzwe general e kokelua nguwe ma nkabwa kaza na ngalale nje falungaphambili kungeke zondaba zintle azisileyo kodwa ke ngumsebenzi wakhe andoze uphinda into ethu amalunga seyithethile kodwa ndifuna ungqala kweka honourable sir ngithi ndiyavumelana naye kakhulu andoze ubuza nibuzo ku aj ngoba ndicenga le report umhla ngaphambili she has presented it to us in so as we can together find solution in taking the country forward because for me this all tells us one story as Honourable Singh alluded to. Leah in The country is burning. My 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 plea to all chairs that are here, I know for a fact that these committee these meetings are public meetings. But I would want to hear more from committee chairs on how best can we take this report to the door of the President of the Republic. As a person who is committed in fighting corruption, I'm sure he would want to get to know more so that together with his cabinet, they can take this matter a little bit more serious. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't, but this one, Chaperson, indeed is the most serious one. I haven't been in parliament for a longer time, but however, I feel this one, the, 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 the country is about to collapse, if it has not collapsed already we need to make sure that the the president is aware of this. I am suggesting this chair, without asking questions, in fact to say, if the AG can tell us more, what else can we do in assisting her and her team in making sure that the turnaround strategy does help? I know for a fact that she does have all the tools, however, the kind of report that she's presenting is suggesting that not, very little or nothing is working. Therefore, we need to get more solutions and more brains other than to complain. I guess we know from Scopa that from her as a team, we go to SIU as people who must find now the actual bodies who have committed crimes. I guess with led by yourselves we need to get into that step very quick so that we can at least finding more solutions those who are found on the wrong side are being penalized for that but Che, as we'll be doing that let's get more to hear what else can we do in a very short space of time of course we will develop a long-term strategy, having all the tools in place but something needs to be done very quick what might be that insofar as AG's team is concerned and other members. The second last one is the fact that at some point there are provinces that were taken in Section 2, Section 100. Mm-hmm. I would want to hear more whether the Section 100 uh, decisions are giving us any positive outcome. I know for a fact that Ilipopo was the first one. Did we get anything insofar as the financial outcomes like the Auditor General's report? Is there any positive outcomes that we can say it does at least come up? Because I know for a fact that at the present moment, we are in Northwest and it has been reported as one of the worst. Is there any way where we can twin the intervention with the turnaround of finances? Because my fear is Chair, is like we're using one tool that sometimes doesn't work or we are working in silos without talking to each other. Because from where I'm seated, I would want to see a situation where when there's intervention in a particular province, everything must change. And we must learn from one province to the other to make sure that our intervention is informed by the experience on the ground. Chair, there is a DDM model, and I heard AG talking more about those municipalities who are being piloted or where we have been piloting from. They are part of this mess. I wonder how best can we make sure that at least in that particular one, we can come in quite early. I know Honorable Chairperson of Scopa is here, and I saw her with a committee crisscrossing the country talking to those municipalities. But I think those who are DDM models, there should be something done, and it must be done as soon as possible. Jay, I think I appreciate the report from the AG. I I, I can imagine her frustrations with her team, the members. However, let's get more on what else can we do in addition to what they have. Is there any other pieces of legislation that can be fast track? But those who are found on the wrong, they must just be punished. And the sooner we do that, the better. I agree with Honorable Singh, the production of capable people. However, in all municipalities Honorable Singh, as the Scopa we've been crisscrossing the country, you find qualified CFOs. But there is this tendency of already getting in the office already, creating jobs for people who are outside in the name of of, of outsourcing. You can see with your naked eyes that that is the case. So let the laws that govern those offices be implemented. And the sooner we do that, the better. Because if you're a CFO understanding everything, your role, still take the institution and uh, donate it to private people in the name of, of, of private companies. That sometimes don't even have a, a history. You are that's corruption. That's pure corruption. So let's let's get to hear more. How best can we turn the corner in making sure that we have a better outcome? However, I uh, the oh, 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 their report really, as honorable members, have been helping on this. It's not a very good report at all. It is, in fact, depressing. However, we appreciate the work done by the auditor general and head team. Thank you very much, I said, uh,
2: in, in the absence of uh, um, uh, any further uh, hands, um, Honorable uh, Klamwa, the Chair of uh, SCOPA, uh, do you have uh, uh, anything to say so that I can give over to the AG?
3: No, um, I'm, on my side, I'm, I think the colleagues have adequately uh, covered the questions. I'll just request when the AG is done uh, to propose the roadmap uh, or two for how we will um, deal with these matters once the AG has given us response. So I'm fine. Thank you, Chair.
2: Okay. Thank you so much. Um, AG, a number of uh, areas which have been covered by members were the comments, and they are uh, some areas which are relate to uh, questions um, which ought to be responded to uh, I give over to you uh,
1: AG
0: Thank you very much chair uh, and thank you to the honourable members for their questions and their comments. Um, Honourable Singh asks about the progress we're making in uh, implementing the powers, and there are other members that have raised the same question. Um, We have referred a few matters to the Hawks, to uh, the National Treasury, and to the SIU on specific items. I think the best thing for us to do, Honourable Chairperson, if that's okay with you, is for us to... um, at the next interaction, with go to take you through the full report on this, um, as the, the law actually requires of us to do, um, to give you a full account of how we've implemented these powers and what the status of each of the matters is. Um, as the Honourable Members will recall, this is the second phase of us implementing. Having started with nine municipalities to get to 57 was a pretty significant jump. Um, And we are still in the process of of, um, uh, finalizing our engagement with the bodies to whom we referred matters, and also our analysis of the responses from the accounting officers, because that's the way the the instrument works. It requires of us to um, notify the accounting officer and then assess the the nature of the response and then decide on on the appropriate course of action. So what we will do is we will compile the report as we're required to do, and then we'll have a full engagement with SCOEG on the, on the specific status of each of the matters. Um, and I, I do hope that that also refers to a response to the, the concern and the question raised by Honorable Hussein. Um, Honorable Hussein, you also asked about the discussions with the executive. Uh, and to Mamdolashe, um, uh, who also talked about the, the executive. Uh, I just want to give the committees committees some comfort that we we do in the ordinary course share this report with the ministers of culture, of finance and with the presidency. So that that is happening and that has happened. Um, But I I do think um, it's important just to make note of the fact that um, they are privy to this report and we've had formal engagements with them um, as is in the normal course. Hon. Kalipi, you raise a matter around the the manager in our office, and I think it would be appropriate for me to respond in this way. The individual that that was uh, arrested is a manager in uh, one of our support services functions. Um, He joined the office in, in 2010, and he joined on the basis of what we believed were authentic South African documents, identification documents um what the hawks have since revealed and this was after they had made the matter public so we've also had to <coughs> get the facts subsequent to that um is that he has been charged um and that there will be um, a formal um, process around that uh, because they've identified that the documents were fraudulent. Um, we have um, undertaken to look at our controls in terms of understanding how that could have happened um 2010 is a long time ago and um uh, i hope i'm still audible 2010 is a long time ago what i'm aware of is in 2011 we did tighten controls around the verification of the people employed in the office and an additional verification beyond what is submitted to us however to be cautious uh, we've also indicated to our staff that we will be undertaking a full review and a verification of everybody who's currently employed in the office of the AG and um, so that we can tighten up on our own controls. So this is a matter that goes back um, uh, over twenty years. The the. Uh, Other matter that people raise in the context of this particular individual being arrested on the basis that he's a non-South African but carrying fraudulent South African documentation is the instances where the office hires people who are non-South Africans. And if I could just use the opportunity to clarify the matter with the members of parliament, um, the office employs over 3,500 people on a permanent basis. Um, 23 of those people are non-South Africans. And the facts around them are this. Two of them are people employed um, as non-South Africans in terms of the Immigration Act. And they are employed on the basis of visas, the work permits that are issued in compliance with the Immigration Act. So those two individuals, we track how to what extent those, those permits remain valid. They were brought on board uh, when we took on the audits related to Ngonki at the time that we terminated the mandate of Ngonki, and they were employed by Ngonki, and we took them on at that point. Everybody else, the, the, the 21 individuals that are non-South Africans, either have a permanent resident uh, residence or they are naturalized South Africans um, in that they've been here since before 1994. So I hope it clarifies that you've got 23 people who are not born South African. Uh, two of them on permanent uh, work visas, uh, on work visas. Fifteen of them permanent residents, and six of them naturalized South Africans. The rest of the institution, ninety-nine um, percent of the institution, are people of South African descent. Um, however, as I say, we will continue to to watch the space around the compliance um, with the Immigration Act and the employment legislation, employment equity legislation, um, which we have not fallen foul of. If somebody commits fraud, um, it is an indication that indeed none of us walk amongst angels, and we've got to be vigilant in applying consequences when people have done wrong. Um, We've been the very first ones to uh, cooperate with the Hawks um, uh, because it's important that there be consequences where things have gone wrong. In terms of our recommendation for the COVID-19 relief funds, Um, Honourable Kadipi, I I do think that much of it is about going back to the notion of internal controls, preventative controls, so that you can detect things going wrong, you can prevent them happening, detect them and then act and uh, continue to improve controls. Because even if we get another emergency, For as long as there are weaknesses in the internal control environment, you're going to have those weaknesses exploited. So we can think of no other recommendation around this than to strengthen controls and to make sure that they are um, maintained at the appropriate level and continually strengthened. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of whether we can act when there are matters around interventions by provincial government and I guess even by national government, I think the the essence here is going to be about all of us um, playing our role and collaborating as best as possible um, so that we we get what we want, which is a functioning local government sphere. A number of honourable members have asked me about what is the recommendation from the audit office around what should happen now. Our view is that the issues are around leadership. It is the type of leadership that we deploy and appoint to specific roles that's going to define how that institution runs. It's the same leadership that's going to employ competent people, make sure they're given space to do their work, hold them accountable when they don't do that work, make sure that if they hire consultants and there is no effective spend of resources, hold them accountable and ensure that that is avoided in the future. It is that same leadership that will set the tone about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Without dealing with the quality of leadership that's in charge of institutions, we're not going to get this right. That is our own view, and that's why our our report ends off with a call to leadership um, 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 that's going to operate in a manner consistent with the principles of Section 195 of our constitution. Um, are there threats to AGSA staff? There have not been instances of threats in the, in the more recent period. So over the past year, we believe that the limitations of lockdown have had the benefit of protecting our staff from people intimidating them. We are not yet complacent um, in that the threats may still be in the environment, However, we have fortunately not experienced anything that's worth mentioning to the committee now. So no bad news, um, but we are wanting to remain vigilant. Can we name and shame the consultants? Uh, You know, it's one thing to name and shame the consultants. Um, So if we name and shame them this time around, next year, you'll get new consultants venturing into the same space with the same sort of behavior. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing to want to name and shame, I just believe that the critical thing is to sort out who is appointing and paying these consultants and on what basis, because it is the people entrusted with acting as stewards over uh, the public purse. It is to them that we must look to behaving appropriately. Um, so, so that would be my my quick response, Honourable Fragonard, Honourable Mende. The, PAA powers have indicated that we will, in, um, in a short space of time, share with the, um, the with SCOEG a full report and a full account on how we've, we've uh, dealt with these powers. Um, and are there instances where the AG can report matters to law enforcement? The matters we've referred to the fusion centre, and then the, the relevant bodies within the fusion centre, they take on the issues um, in, in a manner consistent with their mandate, We'll look to see whether this, this, this way of working um, is actually effective. And if it is, we'll carry on with it. And if we need to adjust it, we'll adjust it. Um, so we're in the process now of evaluating the, the effectiveness of that approach. And I suspect it might even be easier than the AG going to open criminal cases as an outcome of an audit. Um, on um, the release, um, the... Is there confirmation that there's going to be action around appointing competent staff? Um, you know, in many instances, we raised the topic, and uh, there are not a great deal of leaders that understand the message we're, we're raising, um, so it remains uh, our view that the appointment of staff that is up to the task in each of the areas to which they're appointed, that must be a feature across government. Um, are there other provinces offering support to municipalities? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, so it's not just the Western Cape that's offering uh, support to municipalities within their province, there are others that do that. The, the question is really about how effective, how consistent that support is. Um, and it's really an ongoing thing so that we stray away from quick fixes, but rather we, we are seized with putting in place controls and disciplines that are, that are consistent. Um, as I indicated in my report, Limpopo is a, is a province where the provincial leadership has been unequivocal about a commitment to ensuring that there are improvements and they've, they've set about doing that. The harding province similarly uh, offers support to their municipalities around the review of financial statements and driving the improvements in, in that area. Uh, we just commend the, the Western Cape because they've been able to do it on a consistent basis and the impact is, is visible for all to see. Um, on Rwumbunza, um, the, the role of oversight, I, I, I do agree that much of it is, is going to be about ensuring that we institutionalize controls at each institutional level. Uh, it's one thing to have an effective level of support at province, a different matter if you can ensure that at the point of transactions within the municipality, are appropriate levels of controls that are institutionalized and monitored on a, on a regular basis? Um, and can, is there a way to shorten the MI process? That is the set of reflections that we would want to engage with SCOEG uh, on once we've completed our own analysis internally. Uh, so that if there are instances where we need to shape the regulations that underpin the Public Audit Act differently, then we would engage with SCOEG on that as well. Uh, This is really the the first time we've implemented at a a bigger range of municipalities, so we'd have to look at um, what are the lessons learned and what do we need to to fine-tune going forward. Um, Honorable Dolasha, the question about um, um, is Section 100 helping? Um, The Limpopo intervention was quite a while ago. We did issue some uh, indication of what we, we saw working and what we thought could be fixed uh, so that we got better impact out of it. And that's a long time ago. Um, and then the Northwest, I know that the, the matter is being reflected upon within Parliament. Um, at the end of the day, I think we, we all ought to figure out how we compare notes. Uh, the work that Parliament does, the work that the provinces do, the work that the national executive is seized with, specifically from, from National Treasury and Copta. And, and also the work that we've done amongst other players so that we can together formulate a set of responses that's going to get us what we want. So maybe Honorable Thangwa, well, that's part of your, your roadmap. I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll, you'll indicate um, uh, something like that in the, in the, in the next um, uh, input. But Honorable Chairpersons, I do hope that I've responded to, to all of the questions. Um, much of it, uh, and I'll just wrap up by saying, it, it's all going to be dependent on the leadership uh, because even if we are so effective as an office in implementing the, the PAA and fine-tuning the instrument and ensuring that we work with the law enforcement agencies, the, the step change that must happen in terms of how public finances are managed, how um, performance is, is planned and monitored and reported on, how compliance happens, how effective delivery happens, all of that is going to rest with the nature of leadership and how they they focus on building capability in those institutions. For us, our instrument is one that's complementary. Um, so it does add on, but I think we've got to figure out what happens at the, the crux of the issue. So thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I'll hand back to you.
2: Thank you very much, uh, uh, AG. Um, thanks for, for your responses. I hope hope, uh, uh, members who have made such contributions uh, have taken note of the area that you have covered. The intention of inviting uh, a number of committees as part of this presentation um, was to afford uh, the committees the primary uh, outcome uh, in terms of the overall audit outcome, which does not negate the fact that uh, each committee um, has uh, its own independent right uh, to deal with these matters uh, as per uh, uh, what uh, they are e- intended, uh, operational and strategic area is concerned. So, so, so therefore, in noting. Uh, the response of the Auditor General. We need to take note of that fact. Uh, I would um, want to give uh, uh, honorable, uh, honorable Singh, your hand is up, I don't know Is it the old hand, if you want to say anything.
4: Yeah, just a brief question, uh, uh, Chairperson, if you'll allow me. I just want to know through you from the Auditor General, I mean, this report is being presented to us. It's been presented to the executive. To what extent is this report presented to the DG or the person responsible for local government within COCTA, to National Treasury, to the Office of the Accountant General? Because I I would like to suggest if they do not meet, then somebody needs to facilitate that kind of meeting and they need to collectively come up with some kind of a technical uh, report or way forward that they should share with us as all committees, so we can actually start doing something about this unhealthy situation. Thanks.
2: That's right. In fact, in fact, Honourable Singh, your that question goes to uh, yourself and ourselves, as, it, as to in, in terms of these other platforms, which are of both executive and accounting uh, uh, parameters how have they received and implement uh, the actual improvement areas in as far as the audits are concerned. So we don't necessarily make municipalities solely accountable. Yes, they are accountable accountable for the bulk of what is happening, but at the same time, there are other institutions which uh, coordinate, oversee uh, such operations, which we ought to uh, somewhat venture uh, into uh, some call uh, of making them consciously aware that these things come back and haunt them uh, in a way. So, 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 so uh, though you directed the Order General, it as well remains with us uh, that uh, what is it that we can do uh, to uh, make this uh, one of the matters which should remain in the Arada uh, screen uh, for making things happen making things change in as far as local government is concerned. That's right. I would, I would, I would therefore want to give over to uh, Honorable Lengwa. Uh, you wanted to make a proposal, um, and, and then thereafter I would uh, um, give a summation of uh, what, what is that we can intend to going forward.
3: Thanks, Chair. I see the hand of Dr. Nkashé. Before I proceed, it just went down. I'm not sure if they are covered.
2: No, it went it went down. That's why I was didn't. Oh,
3: okay. No. Okay. It just went up. Let's if we can hear. That's it. went
2: up again. Uh, yes. Good morning. Good morning, Chairperson and Honourable Members. I was just making a uh, Chairperson aware that the uh, Honourable Balfour's uh, camera is on and uh, is not addressing up from on, on on top. So. So so so, I was just advising uh, the
10: chairperson to check that.
3: Yeah, all right.
2: All right. Okay, okay. I didn't see. I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. No, i uh, want so on a, on a ball for you. Yeah, uh, acting in the in a manner which is uh, untoward. I, I don't see. It does seem a for
3: here. And uh, let's let's proceed. Let's,
2: okay. Um, no. No,
3: thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, I, I think at the outset, uh, in as much as we may be uh, lamenting that um, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a repeat story of what we have heard over the years, I think let's, however, thank the AG. For the persistence and consistency in presenting this narrative and these findings. But what this is indicative of is clearly a failure and a collapse of the necessary responses or frameworks for responses to these issues on one hand, on the part of municipalities themselves in their audit action plans, uh, but also on the other hand, I think. Um, the legislative sector will need to take a fair amount of responsibility on this matter and accountability because these repeat findings are happening on our watch. And that should, uh, in one way or the other, um, us into action to say we need to actually respond to these issues in a far more sustainable and constructive manner as opposed to sort of shotgun interventions Um, And oversight. So there is a need, Chair, in the roadmap I'm proposing that um, can the uh, Scopa and uh, Cocta and the AG committee meet uh, so that we can begin targeting the interventions uh, and be more specific in terms of how we want these things done. But also, Chair, I think there is a, a necessity, particularly in the worst-performing provinces, that we engage with the scopers there because ordinarily they are the uh, first point of call uh, for oversight. Because if the provinces are instituting Section 139, you would imagine that um, uh, in the legislatures, the portfolio committees responsible for COCTA should really be hands-on. So I think we're going to need to relook at and revamp uh, the legislative oversight modalities, which are currently at play, um, to, review, to, to 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 turn the situation around. You'll recall when we met with uh, the municipalities in 2019, we had begun something similar, but we were interrupted by uh, COVID. So that's the first instance that we we, we need to actually uh, uh, deal with this because uh, it can't be that uh, our lamentations end there. We need to actually say what is it that we are doing as uh, the legislative sector. The second point uh, is is, is going to have to be a very serious consideration about our stakeholder engagement on these matters. Because the missing piece in the puzzle is that we may be meeting with Salga, AG, SIU, um, the Hawks, NPA uh, to be dealing with these issues and the department, whether at national or provincial level. But the one piece of the puzzle that we are not interacting with is the political leadership. It, it, it we have to find a way around how we. We interact and engage with political parties because this is the public place which they have been entrusted with. And they are a key and integral stakeholder in the management of these municipalities, whether on the basis of the deployment that is being done, but also from our observation, A.G., has been the fact that there is a failure to separate municipality and political party it prevails largely across the spectrum. And it's an area that has not been looked at, and quite frankly, maybe an oversight uh, on our part, uh, not to find constructive ways to, re- to deal with these issues, not with the view to delve into their politics, but to draw their attention to the responsibility of governance, which is on their shoulders, and of course, the impact this has on the financial management. Something has got to give, and I don't have the creativity now in terms of how we do it, but I think, uh, Chair, we, we we can't proceed along uh, without that kind of intervention, finding a resonance with our Responses. Thirdly, Chair, I think uh, in the roadmap moving forward, the reporting that we will require from the AG on these issues needs to run parallel to on matters referred to law enforcement agencies. Uh, They need to indicate to us how they are processing the issues that the AG may have drawn uh, to their attention. Otherwise, there too as well, we are not empowering the AG, nor enriching the process, if there are referrals which are not processed. So the the the, the, the law enforcement agencies are key um, in in this aspect um, as well, uh, in that they must be able, as part of the fusion center or the anti-corruption task team, uh, give us a you know updates on the local government uh, space and then the final one uh, chairperson is that the interactions that we want to do uh, really the impacts are not assisting us Uh, and i think this is something apec will have to look at as well as part of developing modalities of operation as well and in this space and uh, chair I think COCTA colleagues can, can assist here because this is a matter we have raised with uh, COCTA as well. The issue around Section 139 interventions, the absence of a framework which guides and gauges whether an intervention has been successful or not and how long an intervention can go on uh, is in itself problematic. There's a vacuum there. Because you've got municipalities which financially are not performing well at all and therefore not able to deliver um, services, but there's no intervention. So it's it's become a discretionary tool as opposed to one which is based in principle and some sort of legislative guidance in terms of how we deal with it. And I think we had raised it before and I think we we must actually uh, pursue that. I think we must as a a priority deal with the municipalities which have got disclaimers and then move on to those with adverse findings Uh, because the chaos which thrives uh, in municipalities which are disclaimed continues to thrive because there is no means of gauging the extent of the problem except to say that you are disclaimed. So it becomes a a sea of chaos. So I think let us um, really collaborate as the three committees and find time wherein maybe we clear our schedules as the three committees, and then work with these municipalities, all of them, uh, so that we, we, we give rise to the audit action plans. Notwithstanding the constraint that this is something that has happened a, a year ago, and the financial year which we are in now is ending uh, in two weeks' time, so we would we might be shooting in the dark. But the the, the audit outcomes in themselves require us to act, and I'm concretely suggesting that um, we, we we actually also deal we start with the disclaimed uh, audit outcomes. But I think let's thank the AG for. Uh, the thorough work, and I think that uh, that they have done. I think that we, we owe it to this F9 institution to respond positively to uh, uh, to the findings. It it, it it has to go beyond the lamentation, and um, so that we are solution oriented and actually turn the situation around. Thank you very much.
2: Well, thank you very much, um, uh, Honourable Atlamwa, uh, uh, for those uh, comments. and and their colleagues who have uh, uh, made similarly uh, some propositions, Um, starting with Honorable Singh, who uh, has uh, strongly come up with uh, some other institutions uh, within uh, the accounting frame that ought to be brought into uh, light uh, on those those matters, uh, including the accountant general, uh, to uh, those others, uh, which we have been uh, somewhat admitting uh, them from time to time. And, and uh, the proposals uh, would have to be, as well be sifted quite uh, properly, which would uh, include uh, the fact that our research units, uh, various committees uh, ought, ought, ought to bring heads together, uh looking into um uh, areas which uh, uh, need some form of uh, thorough actioning uh, which uh, give light to the disclaimed um, uh, parameters uh, and and uh, what we should as well while we are painstakingly looking into these uh, hard uh Um, the heartening matters. We need to appreciate uh, the fact that there is a number of municipalities, 27 municipalities in all, who are doing very well. Others consistently have done so uh, uh, having uh, been faced with a similar environment and uh, the AG having highlighted what are their own um, uh, uh, areas of uh, uh, motivation that they should withstand the similar environments as it is the case to others who are performing in the extreme uh, of cases, which is uh, uh, brought into a uh, disclaimed uh, financials. So, so, so we need to take that uh, kind of environment uh, into light. Something which uh, we 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 really. Um, have to somewhat show cause of appreciation. Uh, something which even myself, I still have to think about as to how best can we uh, ring the bells uh, that here we are, we have had uh, these municipalities in various provinces, which have consistently, uh, consistently maintained uh The best uh, in terms of performance uh, around matters of the audit, uh, which uh, uh, matches uh, the actual performance uh, of such municipality. So, 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 so uh, a a statement ought to be made uh, around such. And uh, while we focus as well to um, on those who are doing uh, uh, somewhat uh, badly, uh, because we're talking about here rents and cents. Money and uh, whether by uh, those who pay for their rates and services, uh, which the AG is saying, they they in some municipalities they have found it very difficult uh, to find appropriate uh, accounting standards matched by such a, a receipts in as far as the financial um, uh, 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 position uh, is concerned. So, so we need to have some form of an outlook around those kinds of things. So in, in detail uh, thereof of our um, the units that uh, have uh, something to do with both content and research uh, ought to bring their heads together to, to work out in detail on those matters. Secondly, is the fact that this report is the report which comes uh, on the sunset, uh, uh, of a period uh, of a, a, a local government uh, b- b- between 2016 and uh, 2021, where we know for a fact that local government elections uh, are, are coming very soon. And, and uh, therefore, uh, the appropriateness uh, of uh, giving ourselves time to look into these things and 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 take the NCOP platform, which was uh, created uh, about a, a year or two ago, where uh, people had to come together and talk about these things uh, in relation to uh, what happens at a local government level, with the intention to improve uh, functionality uh, on that uh, on that space. So we we need to give ourselves. Uh, that sort of time to learn from those uh, kinds of interactions. I think uh, what the chairperson of uh, Scopa is saying uh, around uh, uh, matters that lead to uh, political platforms, it's as well critical because at times we venture into administrative critique on matters which are more of a political nature. And and, uh, if you hear what the AG is saying in terms of uh, the good outcomes, The good outcomes are encouraged by the fact that the stability and that stability is created by political interest as it is equally so on a sense of seeing instability, uh, you see, which is more driven by political interest. So in a majority of instances, you would find out that that is at play. And and, and therefore, you would apply a model of wanting to intervene uh, wanting to oversee. And and that model uh, would stick more on the administrative platform rather than looking into uh, what are the political connotations uh, of our uh, sense of oversight uh, brought into those uh, uh, kinds of institutions. And and, uh, I'm telling you uh, more than anything else, politics is the factor that is at play uh, which uh, bedevils uh, the actual functionality uh, at the local government uh, space we have been there uh, in the past uh, and and uh, in 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 the actual performance there uh, the the actual resoluteness uh, would uh, somewhat get into uh, the instance of such uh, political influences which at the end uh, destroy uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, administrative courtesy uh, which uh, uh, takes place at that uh, at that level. So, so colleagues, uh, taking the tune from from your comments uh, and and the actual uh, propositions, uh, it is clear that we uh, would have to come together as 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 these uh, 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 committees and and uh, fine tune uh, our uh, way forward. Uh, as a matter of agency, and and um, uh, as well um, uh, appreciating the fact that uh, what we're talking about, we're talking about what then ought to come uh, in the new term uh, of uh, local local government, and and whatever uh, players we engage, we engage them uh, for that interest uh, going uh, going forward. So 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 so. Uh, I, I hope that uh, we will uh, uh, have a ear uh, of 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 the uh, chairs of these committees two of us and and be able to say how can we then move uh, uh, forward in terms of convening such a session and uh, set up that agenda which is going to be uh, giving uh, an outcome on a programmed Approach in response, uh, not only out of this uh, report, but how this report could assist us going forward, in as far as uh, local government uh, is concerned, and, and and the future which is brighter, uh, which we ought to work towards on these areas. So 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 in appreciation, um, AG, uh, thank you very much uh, for. For the report and and uh, uh, those uh, areas which are uh, would come up as a result of our engagement uh, would find a way uh, to filter them through uh, our own program and thanks to you colleagues uh, for your uh, inputs uh, and uh, as well uh, the interest to ensure that uh, local government uh, functions and functions uh, quite appropriately based on the investments that are made by national fiscals and the contribution uh, of our uh, populace uh, to make those uh, areas to provide services uh, to them and not just services effective services. Um, therefore uh, this part of the meeting comes to an end. We have got uh, one item which we have to deal with uh, a score, work. Uh, which is going to take us uh, not more than 10 minutes, which would uh, ask uh, the SCOAC to uh, members to remain so they can deal with that item and uh, all others. Uh, we say thank you very much, uh, colleagues. Enjoy your day. They, that part of the meeting adjourns. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much. Thank the Chair. Thank you, Chair. Oh, no. <laughs> In your podcast, which excludes <laughs> us. <laughs> this is all right. <laughs> all right, thank you very job much. Right. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks, thanks,
2: thanks, thanks, chair, thanks thanks, thanks, thanks,
10: thanks a lot, thanks a lot. we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: É agora casa? I would yeah, well, colleagues, it's, it's, it's a, it's a um, where are you, uh, Peter Paul? Chair, uh, I am right here. Uh, do you want to write the item, colleagues, the only one item deals with uh, our program uh, uh, for the term, incoming term, so uh, we have itemized uh, a few matters, uh, which are the matters that... Uh, we have to deal with uh, here. And in addition, then these are the matters which are coming up uh, out of this uh, report. Here are the proposed uh, areas for our indulgence um, for the term.
12: Uh, Chair, I do want to speak to them. Um, If you may, just chair, I'm just waiting. I'm just looking at some names that are I here. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have the the right people. Uh, I see that people are are leaving the meeting slowly. No, um, no, don't don't, don't worry. Yes, don't mind. This is not a, a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine, chair. It's not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I hope then it is. Uh, uh, you can see. Um. What is on the screen, Chair? Uh, like you said, Chair, it's it's a, a rather short one. Um, I think members will remember that we we come back in August, and then break again for the constituency period in September, and then come back for an even shorter time in October, which I think, if we're looking at the local government elections, will be around then. Chair, we are proposing. This is, for now, a a proposal Then we will see how how things go by. I see that meetings are coming up with resolutions. There are issues that we'll have to place on the program. There will be enough time for those to be affected. For now, Chair, the one thing that we thought might be very important to start with is that committee strategic plan. And that, that is outstanding. That will speak to the many issues, including how we take matters forward Including our own resolutions, um, chair. That will be followed by a consideration of any outstanding meeting and the adoption of that actual strat plan. We are hoping that it will take two days, chair. I think we will uh, we will um, liaise with you on on how. I mean, looking at how these things are, are going on right now, we're probably looking at, at doing this virtually over two days and then adopting it afterwards and then taking it all the way to October, um, because by then the AG will have um, submitted by the legislator, 30 September, the annual report, the integrated annual report of the institution. Um, We'll have a briefing then, and then followed by um, the consideration of the committee report on that annual report. And that will, in fact, be the very last day of that term. We will then, of course, bring in the Fortem program when the time is appropriate, and that is when we'll be dealing with the strategic plan of of the AGSA. Chair, those are the four the four um, items that we have at the moment and um, that we'd like to put before you for consideration. Thank you, Chair.
2: Well, thanks, thanks uh, a lot, Peter Paul. The, the, these are not exclusive, exclusive uh, um, with the facts that were coming from the meeting. They might be um a requirement that uh, we we meet with other committees uh, to take these matters forward which would be part of uh, uh, whatever uh, in as far as our, our program is concerned but for now uh, can we then deal with this is there any member uh, who want to comment uh, on the propos- proposal
4: uh yes honorable Chairperson, i got my hand up uh, okay. Yeah, no, no, I think uh, you're quite right that we need to have the joint meeting with the other committees and get a technical report on the matters that we've just discussed as how government and government departments are going to respond to what we we heard from the HG. But I see 19th and uh, 20th is proposed. 19th and 20th. uh, 19th is a day of caucus in the morning. Afternoon we have a plenary. So I think the 19th will definitely be out, as far as I'm concerned, and then the 20th is a day for committees. So the week of the 17th to the 19th are plenaries and 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 committees. So we might have to relook at the 19th uh, as a date for the strategic plan.
2: Okay, so we must we must have a relook on the date uh, for the first item.
4: Indeed, indeed. It'll probably affect the other items as well. Uh, The others are adopting the plan and looking at the minutes, etc. But you see, Thursday, like I say, is a caucus. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the programme of Parliament as uh, we hear, and it says, committee in the morning, uh, 10 to 1 is party caucuses, and from 1400 onwards is the plenary, hybrid plenary.
2: Okay, so in terms in terms of the days, then, then that, that becomes becomes a problem. Why, why can't we say, uh, let, let's provisionally make that a proposition on the approval uh, in terms of the context, and then the days and dates would have to be looked into as um, we would have a site on the, a parliamentary program, uh, generally. Okay, that's fine. Is that okay, Honorable Members? Is there another thing? Is there any other? If 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 then there's nothing else, no other person want to comment. This is the only item that we had uh, that uh, of us that we must remain behind uh, to look into. If if in absence of any other contribution let me appreciate members I know that it has been a very long morning uh, uh, in a very frustrating uh, 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 content as far as the presentation of the auto channel is concerned so so thank you very much and the meeting a chance thank
4: you chairperson thank
2: you thank you chair thank you thank you members thank you. Das so, um, be-